Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest is an LA native who has been in the leather community for the past six years. She holds the title of Miss Sanctuary Leather 2017 and has served on the board of several organizations like the LELC, Southland Title Sisters, and Tom of Finland Board. She is also a founding member of the Foundation, an organization that advocates for diversity and inclusivity within the leather and kink communities. A friendly reminder to those just tuning in, this podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. With that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more Leather Talk. Well, hello everyone. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Sai. Hi, Sai. Hi. How's it going? It's going great, thank you. Sai, <laughs> for uh, those audience members who may not be familiar with you, uh, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Oh, of course. So my name is Sai, aka Cipher. I am cisgender female. My pronouns are she/her/hers. Uh, my sexual orientation is lesbian. I have been in the leather community almost six years now, five to six years, somewhere around there. As far as the various titles that I have, oh my gosh. So leather title, I was a Miss Sanctuary Leather 2017. I am also the Collared Submissive of Scarlet Sin. I have served on the LALC board, the Southland Title Sisters board, the Foundation Board. I am currently on the Tama Finland Board, and I was on the um, LA Leather Pride Committee. I, I forget the official title there, uh, but I, I, I served on that board as well uh, for two years. Awesome. Is that part of the CSW, or is that like a separate thing? The LA Leather Pride is separate. We didn't have it last year, of course, but um, LA Leather Pride is a week-long series of events, usually held sometime in March, that culminates in what was the Mr. Leather, LA Leather contest, mm-hmm. and then, um, well, I, I, there's a whole story behind it, Okay, but, uh, <laughs> don't the have last to get time it. <laughs> it was held, the last time it was held in 2019, it was the first time that it was a combined contest of Mr. Los Angeles Leather, Ms. Los Angeles Leather, and the L.A. Boot Black titles. Oh, wow. Okay. And that was really exciting. But again, there's a whole big, messy story around all that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get into more later. But <laughs> well, thank you for giving us a little snapshot of, of who you are. Um, I always feel like it's important to kind of understand where our audience or where I guess come from. So I'd like to start off with a little bit of an origin story. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind just giving us a brief history. Where are you from originally? Oh, I'm a native Angelino. Born okay. and bred. Awesome. 
I've lived here pretty much for all of my life, uh, with the exception of a couple years when I went away to college. Uh, but no, I grew up um, up in the northeastern San Fernando Valley, and now I live in Burbank. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, big migration for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I grew up in a religious family. Um, I won't say I necessarily revolted uh, away from that, but I certainly have no love for organized religion. Okay. And um, because I, I saw all the uh, nasty politics that goes around yeah. uh, behind the scenes and such, and it just didn't motivate me to, to stay with it. Um, Got it. Yeah. So with all that, um, gosh, I've got a couple of kids. They're adults, and um, I'm relatively new to the leather scene because mm -hmm. I didn't even really know that there was such a thing as BDSM until probably about six, seven years ago. Well, uh, how have you lived in LA <laughs> this long and like not been? <laughs> Okay, I can be a little bit oblivious at times. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been bebopping around in my life, and I had these desires in the back of my brain, and mm -hmm. I didn't tell anyone about them because, oh my gosh, they were bad. Uh, and and I, I didn't really know the, the labels or the, the terminology to apply to them. It was just like, oh, I'd have these fantasies while masturbating that, ooh, being tied up would be really cool, and oh, being hit with a crop would be would be great and get all flustered and excited just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until um, I was in my room one night and um, at the time, you know, HBO, before its current evolution, would show... They had a, a number of uh, reality-based series that were very sexual in nature, like the Real Sex series and the, um, I think there was a polyamory one. Mm -hmm. And one of them was um, hosted by Sunny Megatron. And she's very fun and very engaging and entertaining, and I was watching her show, and she did a story about a physical fitness class in a professional dungeon. Oh. Uh, taught by Snow Mercy. And as soon as she talked about that, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I just got, I, I my, like, you know, light started going off in my head. I was like, there's a professional thing such as professional dungeons? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I, I immediately jumped onto the internet and started looking around and it's like, holy crap, there's a whole world out here I had no idea existed. Yeah. So um, I made an appointment at a, with a pro-dom at a, one of the professional dungeons and haven't looked back since. Wow. How cool. I mean, what, that feeling that you must have gotten when you realized like, there was like this whole other world that you had yet to discover. I mean, how exciting was that? Oh, just I, I cannot even describe it. It was just <laughs> it was mind-blowing to me. I, I can still remember just the, the feeling in my head when I, I realized that. Now, so, yeah. did you always know that you were a, a lesbian, or when did you find out for yourself that you were a lesbian? 
Uh, yes, that is a fairly recent in my um, in my journey. Mm-hmm. I, again, being brought up in a church household, I figured, okay, this is my blueprint. That's the term I use. That uh, I'm heterosexual. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids, and yeah, that's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was always something, just like there was always something in the back of my brain that found BDSM-like things exciting, I also always found women very sexually exciting, uh, much more than men. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me a long time and a great deal of therapy to come to the turn with the fact that, yeah, gee, I really just... I don't get turned on by men anymore, uh, for the most part. Uh, those body parts, nothing, nothing against y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, not anything wrong with men per se. They just don't do anything for me anymore, and women do. And so this is something that's relatively new. And at my age, it's a little interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I definitely want to pick your brain about about that. And if there's anything that comes across that you don't feel comfortable answering, um, don't worry, you don't have to answer. I mean, I don't want to pry, but I I also want to pry a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so okay, let me go back to what something that you had said earlier. You said I I don't necessarily find like men attractive, or they don't do anything for me anymore. So, does that mean that you went through some kind of transition where? men no longer did something for you that they did before? Or or did you just discover that they never did anything for you and you've always been a lesbian kind of thing? So I think I've always been actually pansexual um, in that I found, and again, this is all secret in my head that I didn't tell anyone, uh, but I've always found women really sexually exciting. I've found queer people, sexually exciting, uh, all different types, sexually Mm -hmm. exciting. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, that fuels your fantasies, but you have to actually have sex with men, per the blueprint. Yeah. Uh, And it's been definitely, um, though, an evolution in that I can remember when I did find men and male bodies exciting and sex with men not that I have a great deal of experience but sex with men um, was fun and enjoyable and I I enjoyed it at the time but Mm -hmm. just really over the years I have found myself less and less engaged by that and when I finally had my first sexual experience with a woman several years ago that just blew my mind and it's like okay yeah I'm not going back (laughs) Oh, wow. So, what? I mean, I mean, you don't have to tell us if we don't want to, but could you give us some of the details? I mean, what was that first experience like with a woman? It was, I'm just going to talk in general terms, because sure. I, I, of course I remember it very clearly, but, all right, so your first sexual experience, you, you think you know what it's going to be like, and then you actually go through it, and then you realize, nah, this is a little different. Yeah. It was pretty much along those lines. I thought I knew what it was. It wasn't quite what I thought it was, but God, was it fun. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun, and I was extremely aroused. Even though I was the person giving as my first experience, I, I was like, soaking wet. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, emotionally, I mean, how were your nerves on that first experience? Like, did the sparks go off in a totally different way than you had with men? Well, I was so frustrated and wanting to experience this that when the opportunity was presented to me, I just kind of like lunged. Mm, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yes! I'm going for this. Normally, I'm a very, I guess you could say a conservative person when it comes to social interactions. I usually the person sitting in the corner, not saying much, just watching the world. But in this instance, I was just like, yeah, I'm going for this. Right. So now at that point, had you processed in your mind and your internal self like that this was okay or were you still struggling with that because I know you said you grew up in like a sort of conservative religious home and I just wonder if there was any kind of baggage left over from that um no not really um I've um I've never felt personally that anything was wrong or bad Mm -hmm. I've just been aware that other people do that Ah, and okay. so it's like okay well uh, I might really be into women but this would be seriously frowned upon so while it's really cool and really exciting and something I, I really want to explore yeah I have to put that on the back burner I um, see so was it necessarily like an internal spiritual struggle as much as it was like I don't want to deal with all of this right now like it was pretty, it, it was the latter. It was really I didn't want to make waves. I didn't want to. I didn't have the the courage mm-hmm. at the time to really assert that part of myself, um, and that took a long time to develop that courage and to say, you know what, I need to put. But I, again, I don't find anything wrong with this. Why am I not pursuing this? Why am I not yeah. trying to experience this? We all only have so much time on the planet. Why am I keeping myself from checking this out and possibly loving it? And yeah, now I'm really glad that I finally did because I really love it. (laughs) Now, what was that? Like, what was the catalyst to make you finally say like, well, like, let's just let's go for it. Like, let's dive in. I was really getting into BDSM. Ah, okay. So what's it, what was that first experience like getting into BDSM? That was your first experience going to see a pro dom then, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Very cool. That is, uh, <laughs> okay, so um, I, after watching the Sunny Megatron show and having a massive light bulb go off in my head, I started... Um, researching and there at the time there were really two and there still are I shouldn't say at the time but uh, there are two professional dungeons with protons and residents and okay. that's Dominion and Sanctuary and I spent a lot of time looking at both websites looking through the proton profiles etc 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 and I settled on Sanctuary and I'm going through all the profiles and I mean, I was, I was, I wanted to have my first experience with a professional because I'm very protective of my physical health and well-being, and I didn't want to just go bebopping into some 
party or whatever. I, I still didn't know the language, but I figured, okay, any gathering, I could go in there, and sure, I could probably have somebody taught me and give me that experience, but I have no idea about them right. and their experience, so let me go to a professional, because that makes a great deal more sense, and I can I know that it will be somebody who will take very good care of my physical body. And in reading through the profiles, a lot of them are obviously targeted for men and feeding into the male fantasy, which didn't interest me at all. I wanted yeah. somebody who wasn't just like, oh, girl, okay, I'll, I guess I'll top her. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted somebody who would be interested in me as a, as a female and a person. And I came across Scarlett's profile on Sanctuary, and it rang true to me. Uh, wow. It rang legitimate. And so I emailed and we set up an appointment and I had my first session with her and it's been, yeah, uh, almost six years ago. And I kid you not, I was euphoric Hmm. for the next three days. I could not come down from that experience. It it was just, oh gosh. yeah, I, I just I, I had that high for three straight days, and I will not tell you how many times I masturbated during that time. Uh, <laughs> it was just it, it was astounding, and I wanted more. Wow! And so I went back, and after a few sessions, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to enjoy this, I need to learn. And fortunately, in Los Angeles, there's a gazillion classes being offered and I discovered Threshold and The Lair and FetLife and I started going to all these classes and I think my first year involved in the community, in the kink community, uh, I attended a bunch of different classes. I've got like three notebooks packed with notes because I'm a note taker mm-hmm. and uh started going to parties. I never went to a munch, um, I think because the timing kept being off for the ones I was interested in. But I went to parties. I started learning how to use the various impact implements. Uh, And then I started making friends with guys, because that's who came forward and said, oh, will you please taught me? And I kind of learned topping them. Mm-hmm. Um, after putting all my classwork to use. And after doing that for about 10, 12 months, it was fun mm-hmm. and everything, uh, but it was starting to feel like, okay, all anybody cares about are the parties. And there was something missing. And then, again, thanks to Scarlett, she invited me to attend her title run for Miss Sanctuary Leather. And... That was my first experience of a leather contest. And then I went to the Miss LA leather contest where Goddess Moon competed and won that year. And again, it just, it drew me. Yeah. Um, the, the whole feeling of community, of there's more social interaction, more caring about people as opposed to, hey, can you top me? No? Okay, fine. Can I top you? No? Okay, fine. And that, that's, that's what drew me into the leather community. I see. So this is, as, as you started to learn the skills and everything and started searching for more, that's when you began to discover that there is a whole 
like community of people really that were involved with this. It was shocking to me. I had not a clue. And then seeing all these people and talking with them and like, wow. And yeah, it, it, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I really love that whole journey that you had. Now, out of all of that exploration and all those classes and meeting all those people, I mean, is there any one moment or highlight that kind of sticks out in your mind that really stays with you today? So the first time I flogged someone was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at a play party that's no longer around. I've, I can't even remember the name of it. It was one of those parties where it was female-led. Okay. And so you know, only women could top. And I wish I could remember the, the name of the party. But that was, that was exciting. And it really brought home to me the, you know, when you top someone, yes, there's, there's the whole excitement of the actual infliction of pain for many. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a sadist, and that's that's part of the enjoyment, right? I'm not a sadist, but I really enjoy taking people on a journey and making them feel good mm. through the implements and taking care of them afterwards. It really resonated with me to do that. So um, I, I now identify as a switch because I enjoy topping for that very reason. And oh hell yeah. I'm, really enjoy bottoming so <laughs> uh, so that that was one experience that stands out in my mind um, the whew, so many good leather memories yeah. um, there's almost too many to mention <laughs> as far as the leather goes I mean the very first contest that I, I attended when I started the the first LALP that I worked on that was 2018 and that was an amazing amazing contest the first was that no uh, the the uh, Mr. Long Beach leather contest that I judged back in 2019, that was so much fun, and that was a great deal of fun. Uh, I had a wardrobe malfunction, which made it <laughs> interesting. Uh, okay. But uh, Mr. L.A. Leather Ben was very gracious enough to lend me a garment that he had on at the time, so I could be uh, decent in public. <laughs> wait a second. And, wait. Well, what? What happened? <laughs> you can't just oh go gosh. over a detail like that. <laughs> so I was wearing this new corset that I bought the night before, uh-huh. and it had a zip up uh, front. And I looked really cute in it. It was gorgeous. It's red and black. And like I said, I looked really cute in it. And I'm standing there. This is at Eagle 562. And I'm out in the back patio area chit-chatting. And all of a sudden, I feel something give way on my front. And I looked down, and the zipper had separated from the corset. Perfect. So (laughs) I'm like, boobs out. Woo! (laughs) Yeah, wardrobe malfunction. Wow. Got but it. <laughs> then I was able to, to thanks again to uh, L.A. Leather Ben, uh, Ben Johnson, that I was able to get myself appropriately Together. attired because yeah. I didn't bring anything back up with me, which was possibly <laughs> not wise. Oh, wow. I never. I guess I never even thought of something going awry like that. I mean, all the leather that we wear can sometimes be very, like, constricting. I. Well, this was a, a fabric corset over a leather skirt, so yeah. Oh, okay. That, was... that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did want to ask you a little bit more about your relationship with Scarlet Sin. Can we talk a little bit about the progression of your relationship? 
So, um, as I said, I was one of her clients, and Scarlett is, um, well, I'm extremely biased, uh, <laughs> uh, but we would, uh, she, she likes talking with people, and mm -hmm. after our sessions, we got to sitting out in the smoking patio at Sanctuary and talking. Conversations grew to having dinner together with, um, usually with her, her partner, Charlie, and we started deciding to go to events together, and it just progressed, and then uh, when I won my title that night, she dragged me in aside, and she presented me with her collar, and she asked me, would I accept? And gee, I had to think about it really, really hard. <laughs> um, but no, I, I was extremely flattered and honored, and I've been in her service ever since. Uh, I don't think that we have a, a typical uh, dominant-submissive relationship. Uh -huh. uh, it's, it's evolved over the years, and it's, it's hard for me to describe, but it works for us. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't really pinpoint any areas where I, I think it's different. It's just looking at other people's DS relationships. I think ours is different. Uh, we work very well together in business matters, or what I term business matters. Mm -hmm. And it was our because of that that when Scarlett decided to launch the visibility project, that I she said, "Okay, well, submissive, start organizing the flags and everything like that." And I kind of took the bit and ran with it, and she let me. Mm. And that's how the visibility project solidified and then we started talking and deciding and she in the meantime uh, inherited the Miss LA leather contest mm -hmm. uh, as a producer and we started talking and we realized well let's let's create a, a nonprofit together so that we can have a, a place for these programs and because she was also doing something that's called uh, diversity or that she called diversity which is a seminar series it, it, it's a vehicle to expand people's understanding and recognition of disparities in diversity and inclusion hmm. and she's just got this amazing toolbox of, of exercises and she did the first one a couple years back for uh, it was actually for as part of LA Leather Pride Week in 2018 and it got a phenomenal response and so it's like okay well we've got this diversity program we've got visibility project we've got Ms. LA let's put them all together into a nonprofit so uh, we formed the foundation in um, December no excuse me November 2018 I uh, invited Papyoshi to be um, on the board, and the board still ex consists of myself and Scarlett and Yoshi, and it's been great. Um, I handle all the administration stuff because that's my forte, and she's the the leadership role and marketing and everything, and, and Yoshi is the treasurer, and so he takes care of all that, and it just all works. Wow. I mean, first of all, I have to say, 
It is so amazing that Scarletson gave you a collar. And I, I mean, that, how powerful is that? Like the person that helped guide you into this life for yourself, like is now a part of your life in this intimate way. Yeah, I'm always consider myself extremely lucky in making certain connections. And I definitely feel like I was lucky in connecting with her. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a 24-7 sub-dom relationship, or is that kind of subject to when you guys are playing together? Uh, like I said, it, it, it's a, it, we're very much embedded in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And while I won't say, well, she views it as, as a 24-7, I view it, I guess you could say it is 24-7, but there's, there's no rituals to it, there's no... I guess that's the way to put it. There's no ritual to it, uh, and we're mm-hmm. we're very respectful of each other. Again, going back to a stereotype of the seen by men of the pro dom or of the the female dominant who bosses them around and tells them exactly everything what to do, and that's not what we have. We both respect each other enough to know that okay. She expects me to know how to take care of myself and how to do certain things, and I'm not constantly going, Mistress, what do you want me to do? I, I, that's just not the kind of relationship that we have. Right. Okay. Um, so again, I, and I apologize, I, I'm not able to articulate it, but except to say that it works for us. No, yeah, absolutely. I think I kind of get the idea. I mean, for, for your own... T- definition it is 24 7 but it doesn't look we're not on all the time you know right <laughs> you're not looking each other's boots or anything like I, I, yeah. every second or something <laughs> i get it exactly got it okay cool so i'd love to go into the visibility project at the foundation so is okay so foundation is the nonprofit organization that you formed is that correct Yes, that is correct. It is an umbrella organization that holds six programs. It holds the ACE Fund, which we created last year in response to the COVID crisis, and it offers uh, many grants to people who are in need. Uh, We have the specific criteria on the website, but basically if somebody has to be into kink, BDSM, leather, some way, somewhere in that community or communities uh, they have to be living in one of the I want to say six counties in Los Angeles or in Southern California excuse me and uh, they have to be financially impacted by COVID so we have an application online which they can complete we will then evaluate their application within 48 hours of receipt. We guarantee a quick turn time. And then uh, if everything matches our criteria, then we give out micro grants of up to $250. Oh, wow. And how are you raising money for the ACE fund? We receive donations. We have some people who give monthly, but most of the donations are one-time giving. And yeah, we, we welcome donations because that's the only way that we can fund the fund uh, at this point in time. So anybody who would like to donate, please go to the foundation website and it's the foundation.info, I believe is the web address. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a link there where people can donate money for the ACE fund. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put links to that in the description below for this episode as well. Great. I'll send you the, the links. So that's right now our most active program because COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have uh, the Visibility Project and Miss LA Leather Title, the LA Boot Black Title, the brand new LAMX Title. And then we have Diversity, which is a series or or composition of workshops designed to enlighten people and really get them to think in a more personal way how to improve diversity and inclusion in their communities and in their lives. So for those who might not be familiar with the the project, would you mind describing what that is and how it got started? I would love to. So (laughs) the Visibility Project, was uh, it, it actually came about a couple years back. Scarlett, she can tell the story much better than myself, but basically she kept going to all these events, these leather events, and she noticed that there would be basically four flags up on the stage. You'd have the leather flag, you'd have the gay pride flag, and you'd have the U.S. flag and maybe the state flag. So three to four basic flags, maybe one or two others, depending upon the event. Like if it was a pup event, they might have the pup flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it just, it was like, you know, there's something missing here. I mean, we know that there's a lot of identities there and we know that a lot of identities have flags. Why aren't there more flags? Mm -hmm. And uh, she talked with a couple of event producers and it seemed like the major reason why there were not more flags is uh, the cost. They just didn't want to go through the cost and the hassle of having a bunch of flags. So uh, she's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe she got the inspiration finally from talking with Beacon Uh here in L.A., who's an an amazing person. For those who don't know them, get to know them, please, because I I cannot speak highly enough of Beacon. Anyways, getting back to my story. So Scarlett decided to start buying identity flags and offering them for free to events to try to show some representation and inclusion mm-hmm. so that it's not just, okay, you're going to a leather event that is for a Mr. Leather title, so therefore only gay men are welcomed. Right. Uh, no. If you've got all these different flags, then it makes, it really does help. It is amazing how people have come up. We've gotten stories back about people coming up to the event producers uh, where our flags have been flown. And they said, you know, thank you so much for having this. this. This just was amazing. And it really made me feel so much more comfortable coming to this event, knowing that you're flying the flag that I identify with and uh, therefore I was welcomed. So it just grew from that. And we have had the Visibility Project flags at multiple events across the country and even outside of the country. We currently have, I think about 30 different flags. And the deal is, is that if an event wants to fly our flags, we will send them a set uh, for free, just only for the cost of postage to return it. And they can put them up at their event. We provide cards that describe what each flag is and what it uh-huh. represents. Uh, and I have one set that describes the origins as much as the internet would tell me uh, that we pulled together when we had the visibility project flags at the one archives as part of Southland honors. 
that was held mm-hmm. back in 2019, the Southland Owners. Mm-hmm. So we, we were invited to have the Visibility Project Lives there at One Archives, which is right next to UCLA, or excuse me, USC, uh, off mm-hmm. of Adams. And so I was just thought, well, since we're in a kind of a museum setting, how about I go back and try to find the origins for all these? So um, I created yeah. all that. And yeah, it is just... People have come to us saying, oh, don't you think you have too many flags? And we're like, no. <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> exactly. There's no such thing as too many flags. And there's still so many more that I'd like to get. It's just we're all basically mm-hmm. self-funded. We've received some very generous donations, but that only goes so far, unfortunately. And since COVID hit, there really hasn't been any events that we've been able to fly the flags at. So, right. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting thing. The first time I heard about it was from Pep Yoshi, and that's how I knew to reach out to you, actually, because he, he very briefly mentioned your name, and I thought, oh, this person I'm going to have to talk to. Uh, and so, I mean, I think we take for granted, those of us who always see our flags, always see ourselves represented at the flags at events, we take it for granted because it's something that has never crossed my mind until I heard about the Visibility Project. And I can only imagine, like, going to an event where I don't see myself represented. Let's say there was no leather pride flag up there and there was only a pup flag or only a whatever flag. And then you start to think like, I know I'm, I know I'm welcome here, but like, how come I'm not represented still? Exactly. exactly. It's like this weird, su- like sub, like the back of your mind kind of, there's something off, you know? And I, I really think that, that is really commendable that you guys like thought that through. And again, the, the credit goes to Scarlett. I just, um, she, she just said, start taking care of this. And like I said, I took the bit and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite memories of the visibility project was the first time we had the visibility project flags in the long beach pride parade. Mm-hmm. And we had volunteers, we had 16 flags flying and just seeing those flags up on the flagpoles marching down that main street in Long Beach was just, uh, it it brings tears to my eyes. I have a video of it somewhere. (laughs) I think I've got it posted on the Disability Project Facebook page. And it's just just amazing. How powerful. Wow. Well, you said that you hold the title of Miss Sanctuary Leather 2017. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so when did you decide to run for that title, and what was your motivation to do that? Oh, I was voluntold. You were voluntold to mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> okay. uh, Scarlett basically said, yeah, you're going to run for this. And it's like, uh, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did. I mean, you could have said no, but what made you go forward? I guess what made me go forward is the same thing that propelled me to start taking all those classes when I first got into BDSM. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm going to get involved in something, I'm going to jump into the deep end feet first. Yeah. And I'm going to learn all that I can and do all that I can. Shortly after my title, I was given an opportunity to... Well, I, I was on the, the Southland Title Sisters board at that time, and I went to the LALC meetings as the STS representative, 
And they said, oh, well, we're taking volunteers to serve on the L.A. Leather Pride Committee. And I raised my hand and started going to those meetings. And then the board position opened up and I ran for it and I won because nobody wanted to be treasurer. So uh, I, I won that. And I just I have a hard time in something that I'm passionate about. I have a really hard time not being in the thick of things and not trying to do something to make it better uh, if, if I can and with LALC uh, when I came on as treasurer they there was all kinds of problems and I don't know if I should talk about them or not but um, I worked really hard and I feel like I left the organization better than when I entered and that to me is very mm-hmm. satisfying I like to get things done that's what drives mm-hmm. me so yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was, um, growing up, I was part of this orchestra, and we traveled all around the world together. And I remember the director, no matter where we went, he would always say, leave it cleaner than you found it. And I always thought that was so funny. But he said it so much, I started to really take it to heart in the terms of like, leave it better than you found it. Not a, He was saying it out of like, hospitality, kind of like, oh, if you stay at someone's home, or you stay in a wherever, leave it cleaner than you found it kind of thing. But I kind of took that to heart. And it really made me start to think about how we can do that with every encounter, whether that be with certain people in our lives or a a space. And I think that you kind of have that same kind of personality, it seems like, like, leaving it better than you found it, you've reached your goal. You know, it doesn't have to be like this whole reworking, reinventing the wheel. But the fact that you came in and you made a difference, I mean, that's huge. Well, it, it, it feeds me. And people have said, oh my gosh, you're, you're so selfless and you give so much of yourself. And I keep trying to tell them that, no, I'm doing this for very selfish reasons. I mm-hmm. find a great deal of satisfaction and enjoyment in making things better, especially administrative things, because like I said, that's my forte. I understand bureaucracies. And other than Facebook, which I won't go into, uh, (laughs) I generally, you know, I I enjoy working with bureaucracies. And once I understand, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so then we've got to fill out this form and get that through. And and getting something to go through smoothly, like getting the 501c3 certification from the IRS for foundation was something I'm extremely proud of because Mm -hmm. you hear horror stories about trying to get that certification. And I read up on it and I was very careful and and conscientious in what I, and how I filled out the form and it got approved in three weeks. Wow. And so, yeah. I mean, there's so much red tape and people will probably overlook that. A lot of people will overlook it and be like, oh, whatever, it's just paperwork. But it's a hard job. Not everybody wants to do that. It's, like I said, I I, under, I get bureaucracies. It just I think it's just how my mind is wired. It's like, okay, there's a reason why you have to fill out the form. And it may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to the organization. And mm-hmm. a lot of bureaucracies are that you just got to fill out all the fields. And you have to... You know, cross every T, dot every I, the content itself may not be that important as long as that particular box is checked. Right. Because they're trying to cover their butts, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, it's just working a process. Absolutely. And, and I know that's not sexy in the least. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it could be. <laughs> 
<laughs> baby, show me your 1094 move. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Uh, I think it was Mistress Melissa that said that she had a, a, a staple office supply fetish. And the, I had never heard of that before, but I thought it was so funny because she, I forget how, but she came on the Leather Talk Zoom and, and kind of uh, joked around with it a little bit about it, like, you know, stapling paper to someone's hand, for example. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like yeah. Mistress Melissa, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, before we move on, I did want to ask you about the uh, the MX title. Is that a brand new title, or is that something that's coming back to Los Angeles? No, this is brand new. So, okay, so just a little bit of history. The Miss L.A. Leather Contest has actually been around since... I think it was around 1995, 96, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Again, Scarlett's going to kill me for not getting this precise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and there was, it was actually the very first Ms. L.A. Leather Contest actually had a different name. It was the Miss Fallen Angel Contest oh, okay. uh, for its first two years. And then it became the Miss L.A. Leather Contest. And the last one to hold it in the 90s was uh, Faye Foltz. And then the, for a variety of reasons, the title went dark until Shay Flanagan, during her leather title run, brought it back. And Mm -hmm. that was in 2016. Yes, 2016 was when she brought the contest back. And that year, Goddess Moon won. And then the following year, uh, Scarlet won. And it was getting towards the end of Scarlett's title year that uh, she was given the opportunity to take it over as producer. And so she did. And uh, wow. that took place in 2018. Yes, that was the year. That was a lot of fun because she was also running for Insul that year. Uh, <laughs> wow, busy year. Yes, it was a very busy year. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was exciting. And uh, what about the Ellie Boot Black title? Actually, the L.A. Blue Black title was launched by LALC. Uh, Stephen Carlisle and Shelley Blue Black were the ones who originated the title and brought it to LALC to launch with the Mr. L.A. contest. It, the very first year that it took place, there was nobody that ran for it, so they appointed uh, Bob the Boot Black from uh, Eagle mm-hmm. as the inaugural L.A. Boot Black, and Scarlett really wanted to bring that back in a big way because, you know, Boot Blacks are the heart and soul of the community, and we can't honor mm-hmm. them enough and, and spotlight them enough. So she asked Stephen if she could produce that title, and he very graciously said, yes, please, take it. Wow. Take it. It's yours. So that's how that title came about. But the MX title was one because... Looking around, there really are not enough MX titles out mm-hmm. there, at least not in the LA area. Um, Olympus has it. Um, Cruise LA mm-hmm. has a, an MX title that was brand new in 2019. Um, and so we thought, you know what? we LA needs an MX title. And mm-hmm. so we, we launched it. And unfortunately, we we're going to have the first inaugural contest in 2020. And well, we all know what happened there. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I think it's so amazing that you two are putting together all of these platforms for people across all different backgrounds to be a part of this community. It really seems like your biggest goal is just to bring people together. And it's really, my first introduction 
I shouldn't say my first introduction to the leather community, but when I was running for my leather title, and again, I'm at the time I was pretty much a newbie to mm-hmm. the leather community. Um, I was at the uh, meet and greet, and I was told to go sell raffle tickets, and this was at the Eagle, mm-hmm. and I'm walking around and trying to sell tickets and I'm being trying to be my most charming bubbly self mm-hmm. and um, at the same time as the meet and greet there was a meeting of one of the uniform clubs going on as well or a gathering mm-hmm. and I had the hardest time approaching these groups of people of men and trying to sell them raffle tickets they just were not interested in me as a female and mm-hmm. just to illustrate the point, I'm standing there with a bunch of tickets like, okay, well, I've already hit everybody that I can and everybody who's going to buy tickets for me and has bought tickets for me. And the the person who was running for the, the Mr. Title of the contest, he said, well, here, let me, let me have your tickets. And he took my tickets and within two minutes, I kid you not, he'd sold them all. Wow. Because he was, he was able to approach the men. And they were welcoming to him, and they weren't mm-hmm. welcoming to me. And and yet you're you're there to help the whole event. And... It, yeah, exactly. So, um, and I'm not going to say that that's a, everywhere in mm-hmm. the LA leather community. No, 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 no. There there are many wonderful, wonderful gay men in the leather community. Many of them that I count as friends that I look forward to seeing that are very welcoming to me. Uh, but there's also a group, and I don't think anybody will will argue with that, but there is a group, definite group, they're like, yeah, okay, women are fine, but no, we, we want to keep our boys club. Mm-hmm. And we don't want girls unless they're working in the background or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had certain representatives from that community who said, you know, look, if it doesn't get my dick hard, I'm not interested. And that's... <laughs> I, I have a hard time with that. Um, one of my, my personal philosophies is that everybody deserves respect. Mm-hmm. And you may not agree with them, you may not like them or whatever, but they still deserve respect. Yeah, You have to earn disrespect. So being treated like this offhanded way or, or just being ignored or bypassed simply because I've got a vagina, is I, it still boggles my mind. Um, and it's something that, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to just say, oh, okay, I'm going to sleep off in the corner. No. Uh, if that's the way that that group of people want it, cool. I'm going to go over here with this group of people, and I'm going to do what I can to make everybody feel welcome. Not yeah. only the women, but everybody who doesn't necessarily identify or, or feel comfortable with a group of cis, white gay man right right i mean i I, i've heard this kind of thing over and over again and like while i understand that some groups yeah want to have their like exclusive thing then okay they can have their exclusive thing on their own time on their own event or whatever it is but this was like a community comp this is a community (laughs) event right precisely it's one thing if you want to hold your own private parties to your point yeah absolutely go for it there are times when I only want to go to parties where there are women, female identified there. And I get that. But when it's a public event, quote unquote, public event, where it is a contest or a bar event or a fundraiser, 
no, everybody should feel welcome and everybody, and you should keep your private biases to yourself because then you're going to discourage people from attending and perhaps discovering how wonderful leather is. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. And that's what, you know, another thing that really causes me to, to scratch my head is that kind of insular, that desire to be an insular community, mm-hmm. that does not lend itself to a sustained growth. Exactly. Sustained growth or even just being uh, sustaining the community itself. Yeah. Um, there are a number of studies on the business side that has proven that a more diverse workforce is a more profitable and more sustainable workforce. And it it lends itself to uh, sustainability and profitability of companies. Well, the same can be said for communities. So if you're just going to shun everybody that doesn't look like you or who doesn't get your dick hard, that's dooming the community to a slow death. And that's that's not what I want. I want my leather community to be around. I want it to have everybody who wants to come feel welcome and to add their enthusiasm and energy and be what leather is supposed to be, a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it, it, that seems like it's perhaps an overused term, but when it's really executed and it's really living, that is such an amazing, awesome thing. Absolutely. It, it, the times that I have felt it, I, I just, it's, wow. Uh, yeah. it, it is just the best. Wow. So did you continue to experience more instances like this where there's this kind of dynamic of exclusivity within the leather scene? Well, surprisingly, yes. Um I know I, I briefly referenced the 2019 LA Leather Contest uh, at the beginning of our talk. Um, and that was the first time that we had on one stage Mr. Los Angeles Leather, Ms. Los Angeles Leather, and the LA Boot Black Contest all being judged at the same time as part of the same contest. It was an amazing night. I, I, I can't. I could go on and on and on about all the wonderful, amazing, uplifting uh, experiences that occurred that special evening where um, Elliot was made Mr. L.A. Leather and Persephone was Ms. L.A. Leather and Duke became the um, L.A. Boot Black. After that evening, and it, it was just so euphoric, um, we started... At the time, I was on the Los Angeles Leather Coalition board, and uh, we started immediately talking about 2020 contest, and we were thinking, okay, well, this was such a great success, and we had so much positive feedback that it, it would be, it was just assumed that we would continue to hold all the contests together, but there mm-hmm. was a significant number of people in the community that did not agree and did not um, experience the same enjoyment of having all three of those titles on the same stage. Uh, And at a meeting, a subsequent meeting of the Los Angeles Leather Coalition, uh, a vote was taken amongst the community partners that make up LALC, and by a very narrow margin, um, it was voted to split the contest. They, this group, they didn't want to have women on the stage. They wanted to continue to just keep 
LA, the Mr. LA leather contest separate. And that was really just, it, it, it was such a gut punch to me. Uh, I, I had a very hard time accepting it just because the, the 2019 contest was such a success on, again, many, many different levels. Well, Sai, you're you're definitely not the first person to mention this here on the podcast. Uh, Persephone actually talked about just the the energy, like the powerful energy that there was of this kind of unifying of, you know, all these different people of different backgrounds and, you know, different parts of the community coming together on one stage. And she also expressed, you know, that same kind of disappointment when that decision was made. I, you said that it was it was voted on at a very narrow margin. I mean, despite the decision that was finally made, do you see the fact that it was like a narrow margin that maybe we're headed towards maybe a future of more inclusivity? I certainly hope so. I, I really do. Again, I don't see how the community can survive if it doesn't change and grow more inclusive and more accepting of those in the community that are not cis white males. Mm-hmm. Now, where would you like to see the future of the community go, and what sort of changes would you like to see in the near future? I would like us to all come together at public events uh, and be welcoming of one another and listen to each other. I would really like to have a a dialogue with that. I don't want to, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it more. Let's see if we can find some common ground. Uh, We don't need to be attacking each other so much. Uh, Yeah. So it seems like kind of what you're pointing towards is an environment where we can have more productive conversations about this. Precisely. Precisely. And and that might be rather Pollyannish of me. I I own that. Uh, but again, just going back that one night of the 2019 leather contest, that experience alone, that night alone gives me hope and gives me the desire to work towards that. If there were if there were one moment that just sticks out in your mind that was just maybe overwhelmingly magical or memorable for you that night, do you remember that moment and could you share that with us? It was seeing all three of the newly crowned title holders up on stage and with the applause and just the community welcoming them in their titles and how much they showed a bond immediately, the three of them with each other. That was, that was amazing. And, you know, it's, uh, I've thought about this a lot lately over this last year, talking to people from, you know, all generations over the podcast and hearing different perspectives and everything. And I just wonder how much of this is growing pains for people who have been in the community or in the leather scene from like the 70s and the 80s or however long and seeing the changes where, you know, maybe the bar that used to come to used to be the place they went to solely to get their dick hard and now it's changed and evolved and that's not necessarily a bad thing but like i i can understand maybe seeing all those changes and being like oh where did this where did this whole thing go that i i became a part of back when i was 25 it's totally different now at the same time like you said if we don't learn to grow and change 
then when you stop growing and changing, I mean, how how much longer is this community going to stick around then? Exactly. It's going to atrophy. And I know people and know of people who have been in the community since the 70s, since the 80s, and who are not that inward looking, that insular, Mm -hmm. siloed thinking, no, go away, this is a a private club that only men can enjoy. So um, I I get that change is, is difficult, but you can't argue that change is necessary for survival. And especially after going through the isolation that we all have over the past 12 months and not enjoying the community in real life like we so enjoy. I I can't help but wonder if when we are able to come together again, if perhaps that there will be that change, there will be that acceptance. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm an optimist, sometimes obnoxiously so. So... But I, I've heard people say, oh, well, the leather community is, is going to die out and everything. No, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I don't think people will let it die. Mm-hmm. Not the people that believe in what it can do and how amazing it is and the amazing individuals that are involved in it. And let's, I mean, let's talk about that. Like, what, what is it for you specifically that makes leather special? Why leather? It's my introduction it wasn't people just hustling to get a play partner. Mm -hmm. It was people who were willing to talk, to get to know you, to tell you about themselves. It was the thought of, hey, let's fundraise so that we can help someone who's in need. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole concept of the title system, the inception of that, I, I love that, that it was started as a way for bars to cross-pollinate and yeah okay fine it was to try to get more people into the bar but it was also to to hey we've got this group of people over here let's hold a contest over there and we go over to that place mm-hmm. and we get to know people and yeah I, it, it's just that that fellowship if you will that plus like many people i love leather itself Mm-hmm. The material, oh my God. I grew up uh, riding horses when I was a kid. And one of my favorite things to do, and again, this is weird, was cleaning the leather. And I love cleaning the, the equipment, the tack of uh, the horses that I'd ridden because I just love the smell and the feel and, and that whole experience. I remember taking um, like the saddle that I use and laying it out in my front yard in the sunshine and spending a great deal of time cleaning it and making sure it was all nice and clean and enjoying reveling in that. So yeah, you, you really want to get me to just start becoming a little puddle then yeah, just <laughs> flash some, some leather and you know, just throw some leather I mean, in my nose. <laughs> it's not weird because I like repeatedly this whole quarantine have been opening my closet and smelling my leather. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I've become kind of an amateur bootleg. I'm I'm not ever going to compete or anything like that. I've, I'm certainly not nearly as good as so many of them are out there. But um, I'm an amateur bootleg specifically for because it's like, oh yes, the smell. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your first piece of like kinky leather gear? So my first piece of kinky leather gear is um, I bought myself a flogger. 
Mm. Uh, and I still have it. it. It's pretty lightweight. It has black and purple strands. I think it's deer hide. No, it's not deer hide. Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, regular old flogger, but mm-hmm. I, I have a great deal of fondness for it because that was my, my first implement. Wow. And I mean, did you use that flogger when you were topping men back in the day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so excited. Oh, my gosh, I get to use my flogger. Uh, <laughs> and I've graduated to uh, much heftier implements. But uh, like I said, I, I, I have a certain fondness for that. And I, I find it. It's actually really good for using on uh, women's breasts. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it works really well. Oh, okay. So let's talk about okay. Let's talk about some kinky, some kinky shit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of your fetishes. I mean, are it, like it's our breasts fetishes? Is that a fetish for people? Oh, or breasts are so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Boobs are wonderful. Okay, because um, I. I guess I don't put too much thought into boobs, but I want to know from your perspective, <laughs> what's your favorite thing to do with boobs? Um, flogging them in the right way. And I have these, I forget what they're called, but they're like these prongs, these middle prongs that I slide over my fingers and they create like this, these two little talon things. Oh, okay. I like scratching ever so gently along the underside of the breast, oh. alongside the breast, and then very, very lightly just flicking the nipple. Oh. Um, oh, gosh, it's been a long time. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's fun. Um, I will try clamps. Um, I'm not always successful with clamps. I think I, I don't. I, I need to practice more. Are clamps um, the just like clamping the nipples, you mean? Mm-hmm. But there's okay. different types of clamps, and you need to do it in the right way because otherwise either it falls off or it's in the wrong spot and it causes not the fun pain but the bad pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I like doing that with breasts. That's really fun. And um, what's the other thing I like to do? I have these amazing gloves that are covered in this long rabbit fur. Mm-hmm. And then there are these steel-tipped fingertips, these little uh, steel claws that come out. So, you know, you, you kind of rub. And I love doing this all over. Um, and it's amazing after you flog someone, like on the uh-huh. back or something, and they're, like, all red, and you've got um, all that blood at the, the surface of the skin. And then mm-hmm. you put on these gloves, and you just kind of rub gently along and kind of down the lines of the back on the feeling the rabbit fur. And then you... Arc your hands just a little bit so that the claws come out and you run them. Ah. It is amazing. Oh my god, it's so much fun. Oh my gosh, you're getting me horny over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> oh god, I know. Fucking COVID. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I've never heard of those kinds of gloves, but that sounds hot. Oh yeah, I I um I got them at um I think it was the last Dom Con in Atlanta. Okay. Um, so I think that's where I got them. So I know you said you identify as a switch. Uh, do you lean more towards one or the other? Or are you like definitely in the middle? I It really depends upon the individual. Okay. Uh, if 
depending upon the individual, the some people say energy. Um, for some reason, I, I can't say the energy for them, but how I interact with them. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a pretty strong personality. Some people might be a little surprised to hear that. Scarlett definitely would say, yeah, no, you're not a timid little thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if I interact with that person, if depending upon their dominance and whether I like that dominance or I don't like that dominance kind of dictates whether I would be willing to bother them to them versus taught them. Okay. What kind of, what kind of dominance do you typically gravitate towards? Uh, I have only been taught by a man once and it was before I discovered leather. Mm -hmm. So I tend to prefer to be taught by women Mm -hmm. or female identified and it's got to be somebody with a sense of fun. Uh, somebody who's really, really, really into being Ms. Domly Dom, that doesn't do anything for me. But somebody who is like, you know, hey, I'd like to top you and could do this, that, and the other thing. Does that sound mm-hmm. fun? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I, I and you know what, I, I, I need to correct myself. I said uh, female, female identified. Um, really, it's anybody who is non-male identified. Okay, so just not the cis, not cis men typically, is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I, and I've been taught by a wide range of uh, identities and have had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of submissive are you? I mean, because I, I, I feel like I'm definitely a switch. I le- lean more. Well, okay. Uh, it depends on the moon cycle, but when I'm a sub, I love being degraded and humiliated. I know that's not everybody's like sub mode what kind of like mindset do you get into when you are submissive well first of all i'm a brat so (laughs) um i have to get into set space before i get totally yes mistress whatever you want mistress Ah. but within that though um i love impact play Mm. because it's so much fun i do like bondage i'm not really into rope and i think that's because i'm too impatient uh, I have been tied up with rope, and it's like, okay, you're taking half an hour to do this, and, you know, I, I want to be doing stuff. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Uh, I ha- did have this one amazing scene, though, where, well, two different scenes. There, I had this one scene where I was in a Mr. S leather bondage sack that you can be put into i I, shoot i can't remember the right name of it um Uh, i know what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so that was amazing and i love that uh and then there was this other scene where i was put into uh, the arm binders and i had a hood and i had a, a gag in my mouth and that was great i i just loved that so when you're put into like these situations where you're I mean, technically, you're, you're put into bondage, whether or not it be rope, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, so, yeah, I love bondage as long as it's quick. <laughs> <laughs> Tie me up and put a ball gag in my mouth and let's do it. <laughs> exactly. So, I do enjoy bondage. I enjoy impact play, um, trigger warning. I also enjoy knife play. And that's something that I would really like to do more of and have done to me. Mm. Uh, not really interested in 
fire play or anything involving heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not into needles plays, but if somebody wanted to draw blood off me, oh yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How did you discover cool. this kink? I used to work in a knife store. And so I've always had a certain fondness for knives. And during a session early on with Scarlett, she scratched me with a sharp implement. And that just sent me over the moon. Now, was that on accident or on purpose? Well, she, she scratched me on purpose. And ah. because of my reaction to it, it's, it's kind of developed into it. Yeah, I'd really like to do more more of that. Oh, wow. So is the, uh, I guess, because knife play is not one of my fetishes, but I'm curious to know, is it the relinquishing of control to the knife of your dom trusting them? Is that part of the draw or is it really like a physical stimulation? Like what is the draw to knife play for you? It's the absolute trust with something that could kill you mm-hmm. because while floggers can do a great deal of damage, and I'm not trying to downplay whips because I do enjoy getting whipped. Uh, and that is Scarlet, one of Scarlet's specialties. Uh, but I think it's just because, again, of my affection for knives and just the thought of trusting someone to the point where, yeah, they've got a knife in their hand and they're going to draw blood and I know I'm safe. Mm. And just also anticipating like the feeling of the blood dripping down my back okay i need to stop <laughs> well i can i can understand that kind of endorphin feel i think for me because of i don't know what it is anytime blood is involved or i know it's going to be involved i get like this um endorphins of i don't know if it's a good endorphin for me but i can see how people can ride that chemical kind of reaction you know in their body and make it sexualized and, and it's not something that i actually would enjoy watching, mm-hmm. except for under certain circumstances. But yeah, I'm quite eager to experience that and experience it more. Do you have one memorable kinky story that you might be willing to share with our audience? Maybe take us with you to the dungeon or wherever it be. So there was this one session. And I'm just talking about that because most of my experiences at parties have either been um, socializing or I've been topping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I did really have that one scene where I was all bound up. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I, I kind of clowned around and pretended I was a seal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as probably one of the best experiences I've had uh, in a scene, it was in one of the sessions with Scarlett. She had me up, you know, I had cuffs on and they were up overhead and I kept aggravating her by slipping out of the restraints because it was just too easy. Oh, is that the brat side of you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's just, you know, like up there and then she turns her back and I'll take one hand out and like scratch my nose or something like that. Um, But she did a masterful impact scene and then she uh, secured me to this table where every single point of me was secured. Oh, wow. And then she proceeded to do sensation play and that was just, that was mind-blowing. How yummy. What what does sensation play look like? Oh, well, you know, um, we're 
is so like those those claws, those talons I was talking mm. about. You do some of that, or you do a Wartenberg wheel, and then you follow that up with uh, like a, a the rabbit fur mitt or something like that, and kind of playing with expectations in that way. Ah, I love that. Uh, and yeah, I was deep, deep, deep in subspace after that. It took me a little while. And usually I come out in like about 10, 15 minutes. I think that one took me a little bit longer. Wow. That was a great session. Wow. That's hot. (laughs) Well, I I feel like you live close enough. I need to borrow your mittens one day. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Then we get my own later. Oh, gosh. Well, before we go, is there anything that we should know about you that we haven't talked about already? I don't think so. Just... I love my community. I think I've expressed that. And I'm one of those people, I'll work hard to make it work. And I'm not going anywhere. So just feeling, like I said, I'm extremely fortunate Mm -hmm. to have met Scarlett, to have her introduce me to this wonderful, wonderful community, to be in a dynamic with her, which has been beyond what I ever thought it would be. If you had um, if you had a message to the leather community right now, I mean the floor is yours. What what would those words be? We're not going anywhere. Uh, don't think that just because we haven't been able to come together as a community in twelve months that it's dissipated. Mm-hmm. It's going to come back. It's going to come back changed, but change is, is good. And look forward to that. Hold on to that hope. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you had a message to the younger generations just discovering kink and leather for the first time, uh, what would your advice be to them? Number one, be patient with the older folks because uh, many of them are going to try to say, well, this is the right way to do things. This (laughs) is how we've always done it. And Uh I know how annoying that can be. Uh, Number one. Number two, have fun. BDSM is not serious. This is fun. This is um, a way for us to, gosh, what did I read somewhere? It's like sexual LARPing. Uh, you know, it, it, just enjoy it and don't try to label yourself right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and this is specifically for the kink, not necessarily for leather, but the kink community, you get these young guys coming in and like, oh yeah, I'm a dog. Uh, don't be so quick to label yourself. Mm-hmm. Explore and learn what you really like, and then you can label yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is the chance for you to discover yourself on a deeper level, you know, leave that door open. Absolutely. And don't be afraid. The the scariest thing is, is, of course, that taking a first leap. And that's why it's so important that you trust whoever your partner is to take you on that journey. So don't be afraid, but don't be stupid. Don't be afraid, but don't be stupid, you guys. <laughs> I love it. Sai, well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. How can we stay connected with you? How can we reach out? And, and how can we find out more about all of the things you're involved with? So anyone who wants to get a hold of me, you can certainly find me on Facebook under Sai C-Y, Fur, P-H-E-R. Or you can reach me through the Foundation website, which the link I will be provided along with this podcast or the visibility project page also on facebook 
there's also a couple of organizations I'd like to do shout outs to. Uh, first of all, the Tom and Finland Foundation. For those of you that are not familiar with this organization, I highly recommend that you check it out. Go onto their website. This is, uh, it is a not only a national treasure, it's an international treasure. And we we're so fortunate to have the foundation uh, located here in Los Angeles. Secondly, I'd like to do a shout out to FKLA. This is a new leather kink organization um, that was formed roughly a little over a year ago. Uh, it is for everyone who has an interest in kink and leather, all identities, um, all interests. It is really just a, a very exciting new organization. You can find them on Facebook at the FKLA Facebook page, and FKLA stands for Fetish Kink Leather Ascension. And then finally, a shout out to uh, Obsidian. This is a organization I've been very fortunate to attend a couple of events. Uh, it is just amazing. It is um, primarily for BIPOC queer non-binary uh, folks that are into leather and kink and cannot say enough good things about them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sai. And um, I will make sure to put links to those in the description below. Before we go, Sai, uh, do you have any last words for our audience? Just thank you. And uh, I hope somebody takes something away from my story. Absolutely. Well, before we go, you guys, don't forget to check out the many outreach programs we have available to us here in the Los Angeles area. The LELC Cares and Bullet Bar Pantry are all ways that you can get assistance during these trying times of COVID-19. I will have links in the description below. I would also like to invite any of you listeners out there who have never been a part of a Leather Talk Zoom party before to come out and join us on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where we live stream a portion of the podcast and have an open discussion with a guest of the show that week. All audience members must be 18 years or older and must have their camera turned on, and all attendees are expected to maintain a mature and respectful attitude towards one another. These Zoom events will become less frequent as we begin to open up, and hopefully we can have some more in-person events coming up soon. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and for God's sake, stay kinky.